0: Friends and listeners, today's episode is with Ben Witty. He's the founder and CEO of Recess. And you might not have heard of Ben or of Recess, but it is perhaps the fastest growing beverage in the country. And you can go to takearecess.com to check out their product. Amazingly well done from the brand to the taste of the drinks. I, as listeners know, I often have a weird quirky drink that I share each episode with with a guest, and Recess was one of the first. And and each time that I have had it on on the show, the guests always. I remember the first one, Justin Kahn, loved it so much he asked for some afterwards. He, he was like, "Where can I get this?" It is a CBD drink that is for me. It's an alternative to having a beer. Or just have a recess at at, at night or. Uh, you know, on a Saturday afternoon, instead of day drinking, I really, really love, honestly, the, ta- the taste more than anything else. And uh, maybe second to that is the brand uh, and and kind of universe that Ben has designed around uh, the drink. If you go check out their site or their Instagram, you'll see what I mean. It's really cool stuff. I think what's most interesting about the conversation is that Ben is he's eight months into. The journey. This isn't an, a conversation of someone that's ten years on the other side of, you know, multiple exits. He's right in the middle of it and shares openly what it's what it is like. It's a different type of perspective, a different type of below the line perspective uh, from a creator's vantage point. This episode is rightfully so brought to you by Dope Dog. Dope. D O G is the place to get CBD treats for you guessed it, your dog. This episode is CBD heavy and that's not by design. Uh, I really, I came across recess because, uh, honestly, I really loved the brand. And then I liked the taste of the drink, uh, the, and dope dog. I really love the founders, Aaron and Michael, what up? They uh, are the founders of, of Dope Dog. Got to know them as founders and, and then fell in love with them as a customer for our dog, Mr. Wendell, our little dachshund, who instead of the, the Xanax that our, our vet tries to, uh, tried to prescribe for Wendell, we give him Dope Dog instead whenever we're traveling or whenever he seems to have back back pain and it is such a great alternative to the prescriptions that that uh, we've tried to give them before. Go to dope dot and enter the promo code below the line for 20% off. That's dope.dog dope dot dog enter the promo code below the line for 20% off. They've got oils, treats, even CBD shampoo. They've got it all and the stuff really works. That's dope dot dog. All right, without further delay, let's get to the uh more immediate cbd product at hand and that is recess and our conversation with ben witty this is below the line ben what up man good to see you great good to meet to you see, yeah great to meet you as well cheers this cheers. whole episode is about recess uh if listeners can't tell from the intro um and so better than than having just a fun drink to to have in the midst of great conversation with the founders. I get to chat with the founder of one of my favorite new drinks in the world, Recess. And um this happened very serendipitously. Just a friend put us, mutual friend put us in touch. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. we were in town and came over and was like, hey, would you want to record a, an episode? Yeah. So for listeners, I, you know, spent maybe five minutes chatting to Ben before this, but have uh, admired what he's been building in the CPG or consumer products group space basically mm-hmm. drinks food drinks types of companies and um things you'd find in a grocery store not the typical fare for you know, uh, uh especially here in Silicon Valley mm-hmm. but a crazy cool story um um nonetheless with recess but for listeners i have never i've never heard this story from ben so it's all this is all going to be really fresh um and even more uniquely i mean you're what seven months in seven months in seven months into what i think two years from now people are going to be able to listen to this episode and and uh be like holy crap that was the beginning of something a really big wave yep um and, uh, and yeah, so I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, of course. I would love to start with just the most basic of questions. Just kind of tell me the, tell me a little bit about yourself, mm-hmm. where you grew up and, and kind of the, the run up to seven months ago and launching recess. Yeah.
1: So, uh, I was born in San Francisco actually, but, uh, grew up in Laguna beach in Southern California. I was uh, a surfer and kind of a creative, uh, in high school. I was really into art and design and filmmaking specifically and thought that's what I wanted to kind of study in college, but ended up studying business. Um, I went to college at Boston University um, BU. and, nice. BU, and uh, ended up kind of living in New York every summer and kind of fell in love with uh, the big city, so to speak. Um, and I'm 31, so I graduated in 2010, right when kind of the startup scene was blowing up here. Or just emerging, rather. Right. Um, I think it was the early day. Or, you know, not two thousand seven, but it was like right when it was about uh, to hit. Yeah. Um, and kind of come from an entrepreneurial family, so was attracted to to what was happening here, and decided to move to San Francisco. And I joined a, a three person startup called True Anthem. Uh, we were building an influencer marketing platform uh, in social media. So it was one of these things. It was like the right idea at the wrong time it was just a little too early. Hmm. We launched on MySpace uh, to give you a sense of, you know, where the world was. And that I, is think early. That is I early. was early and uh, it was also just clearly not a, a smart move. Uh, but uh, it was a very impactful experience because uh, from the early days, I got to think about building a brand in a social media driven world. Um, I got to understand what a very, very early stage startup was and learned what m- mistakes not to make, uh, most importantly, um, and kind of got exposed to the broader kind of uh, you know, startup ecosystem and, and digital advertising and kind of e-commerce uh, kind of ecosystem that was forming. Uh, from there, uh, I joined uh, an ad te- another ad tech startup called AdRoll, I think it was like the 10th or 15th employee. And I was there for four and a half years from, you know, 15 people to 600 people.
0: From from a, a kind of more artistic, you know, cinematic view of life to an ad tech company, what what was the
1: traversal there? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, the, f- the first job out of college I took was just like kind of first job right. at an early stage startup I, I could take. And it just so happened to be, you know, in a digital advertising kind of industry right. you know, it was right. it was influencer marketing and a social media in, in social media but you know that was digital advertising yeah um and i saw and so that's what i knew at the time and, and i saw kind of the you know the, i saw retargeting just kind of starting to emerge as kind of a a tactic right and i'm like this is obviously something that everyone's gonna be doing and i just like bet on ad rule it wasn't right. because i was particularly passionate about digital advertising It was more a bet on this being a company that was going to right. you know explode and it did in in, in many ways yeah yeah um, but you know and so how i ended up uh uh you know <laughs> you know ended up with recesses you know more of the long From term ad tech. Yeah. To, uh, well you know it view was view. i recognized that um i knew i wanted to start my own company and i also knew i wasn't the best person on the planet to build software and i kind of ended up there by accident and that my passions and strengths were more around kind of consumer experiences um, and so I literally just quit my job at AdRoll and kind of set out on my own. Um, the first, uh, idea I explored, uh, was actually a hotel concept. Uh, this was, you know, back in 2016, um, right. When kind of, you know, Airbnb was, you know, definitely exploding and kind of WeWork was exploding. And the kind of the thesis was like, how do hotels stay relevant for the millennial generation when Airbnb exists? Um, and I don't think hotels have done a great job of kind of reimagining kind of their experience. Right. And at the time I had been living between kind of San Francisco and New York. I kind of helped open the Admiral office in New York. Um, and a lot of my friends kind of live this kind of somewhat nomadic kind of life between LA, New York, San Francisco and the thesis. So I was like building, you know, so house meets a high end hostel targeted at kind of that crowd. I also thought, I also think this, I was also obsessed with this idea of like third spaces. I think it was it always blew my mind. Like, why aren't there? Why isn't there another like Soho House brand, a place you could kind of you know hang out? You'd be like a regular at right, uh, outside you your home, outside, outside the office, exactly. Right? And so, the idea was like you know to differentiate against Soho House, kind of add like a hotel component, add some utility to the kind of value proposition, and ended up kind of bringing on a partner from the stand, like a pretty senior guy at the Standard Hotel Group, to kind of explore this with me and. You know, went after a couple deals and ultimately just concluded it was too ambitious for a first startup idea, like, you know, building a hotel is, you know, highly capital intensive right? uh, and, uh, you know, probably not uh, difficult to execute uh, with no experience in real estate development. Right, right. And so kind of decided to table that. um, How, what was that
0: experience like, like for, for founders? So, and those are parts of the story that get kind of glossed Mm -hmm. over. But what was, how long did you spend on that? I was like a full year at least. And then what was that decision like to to pivot away from it as, uh, you know, the the canonical term, pivoting? Well,
1: I kind of, you know, during that, I was very much in like an exploring phase. I looked at it as like, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to explore like what mm-hmm. I want to really do with my life. And uh, So it was like
0: the, built in detachment from
1: the idea? Yes. And I think I was also delusional enough to try to be open to trying to do two ideas uh, at once right Uh, Right. which i always think is a mistake but i think i see a lot of founders try and you know do too much yeah um but you know came it became pretty apparent that i was kind of i'd say uh you know over my skis a little bit for something that capital intensive and um i do think your first you're picking the right first idea uh, is very important um, in making sure it's kind of achievable and also kind of plays to your strengths and skill set.
0: Right, and to your weaknesses of like, okay, this is not going to involve a whole lot of my weaknesses or weak areas mm-hmm. and blind spots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> CBG is is interesting in that in that regard, especially in 2019. Mm-hmm. But well, I want to I want to get to the uh, the story recess kind of organically, but I but I also yeah want to make sure we touch on why um what made you feel like okay recess yeah so so the story of
1: recess is i've always been at that time um uh i had kind of always felt my entire life uh i was always naturally kind of stressed out anxious overly stimulated add-like person in high school my nick my friends called me chomp because i chomped the bit um and it was always kind of an you know an issue i was dealing with and i kind of would experiment with kind of various things like meditation and yoga. And um, and then, you know, I basically started, I saw CBD kind of bubbling up two years ago, uh, as well as adaptogenic herbs, and started kind of experimenting with both ingredients myself. And mm-hmm. when I started using CBD oil regularly, I felt much more balanced and even keeled. And as a result, I was more productive, more creative and less stressed out and anxious. I just had a number of insights from that experience. The first is, I'm not the only one that's feel this way. Stress and anxiety are like, I would say, one of the biggest issues of the 21st century, uh, which Absolutely. kind of inspires the t- one of our taglines, an antidote to modern times. Right. The second insight was that the compound CBD was effective for me, but the user experience was terrible. Mm-hmm. Putting CBD oil under your tongue that tastes like grass was not a great user experience and definitely was not a m- mass market use case. But the way to think about CBD is as a functional kind of commoditized ingredient, no different than caffeine or whey protein. That would just be kind of added to everything. Mm -hmm. And the value would be in kind of formulating into the right applications with ready to drink beverages being the obvious one, which I'll kind of come back to, and then building the brand on top of that. And then I'd say the fourth insight was, I never even occurred to me to look at CBG. I didn't start by looking at CBG, I started by seeing CBD, using it, and then applying it to mm-hmm. more traditional CPG categories. And the observation about CPG was this is the most brand-driven category on the entire planet, and no one's actually good at marketing anymore. Mm-hmm. So LaCroix, I would argue, is not a brand. It's a name, mm-hmm. right? They don't. And I would argue that most of the recent successful beverage companies succeeded despite being mediocre at marketing. Right. And that the, sh- the big shift was... Uh, kind of your distribution strategy went from being exclusively, you know, traditional retail distribution to omni-channel distribution, both Mm -hmm. e-commerce owned in third party, like Amazon and jet, as well as, um, kind of traditional retail channels. And that that's a fundamental shift in terms of how you kind of architect a CBG company today. I think it impacts everything from your go to market, your supply chain, how you build your brand, everything and that there would be a new way to build kind of a beverage company. Oh. Um, and that was it. That was the original kind of idea. And I decided to, you know, I guess, you know, focusing in on the the, the beverage idea, you know, I think over the past. And, and did you have that about the same time that you were also thinking through the hotel concept? This or? was like, as it, no, this was when I kind okay. of pioneered. It, it kind of landed. Transi- this was as I was transitioning yeah. away from that. And I was, I applied for a couple jobs. I was really like, what should I do next? But I knew I was always better suited to be a founder and an entrepreneur than yeah. uh, be an employee. Uh, I was always at these companies that no one really knew what to do with me. Like I always had these kind of abstract roles. Like my job was like head a mobile ad, ad role. Like my job was to turn the business from a desktop advertising business to a mobile business. So it was like product management, business development, marketing, sales, everything. Right. Right. It was just because they couldn't really put me anywhere <laughs> right and as companies grow that the desire for generalists kind of wanes yes. it's like
0: oh everyone specialized and yeah for the generalists it's kind of like ah this isn't as fulfilling yeah a yep. lot of ways yeah
1: exactly so
0: so you were applying to companies and thinking through yeah
1: okay i was like i'm gonna just, i mean so i have to be, this might not work and i was you know running out of my savings and i you know
0: it, what was what was the emotional kind of state then did like walk me through what how you felt on a you know a random week very lost yeah to be honest uh yeah what were kind of yeah tell me more about
1: that um again i think one of my strengths and weaknesses is that i've always had a a ton of interests right and that i always ran in a bunch of different circles of friends and so i never um you know while i was passionate about kind of art and design in high school i ended up studying kind of bit you know traditional business and in college and i was not i've never been like kind of a i never and i was never a finance guy so i was yeah i kind of you know just had a bunch of different experiences that were not all that related um and so it wasn't like i you know knew exactly what i wanted to do with my life when i was 18. and so that three-year period before i ended up you know starting recess was three years of exploring um so to speak that's a long time
0: well it's a long time but it's it's also in many ways what at least what's going through my mind is you know for me it was kind of like 30 years of exploring Mm -hmm. oh of just kind of uh, from the perspective of uh, there's some similarities to, to your story in that when i was like six seven eight i was entering drawing contests Like Mm -hmm. I I loved art Mm -hmm. and I wanted to pursue art. And I like won this, this, uh, I designed the elementary school, um, uh, like directory Mm -hmm. cover. And that was such a big deal. Like to me, I thought that was so, so cool. And I was like, I want to pursue art. And when I look back, I would probably wasn't until I was like 28, 29 until I looked back and realized I used to love art. And, um, and then I think at eight, nine, 10 At least in Dallas, Texas, I didn't know a, and I didn't realize this observation until like four or five months ago. I didn't know a single freaking artist, even like even name besides the ones you would learn in a textbook. I didn't know a single artist from Dallas, a cousin, a friend, a neighbor. I did not know a single fucking one. It was Mm -hmm. it actually has blows my mind now. Living in San Francisco, I didn't know a single uh, artist or uh, any type musician or um, creative mm-hmm. professional at all. And I think that partially led to, okay, there's like five paths like doctor, real estate and, t- and Texas, like oil and gas, um, you know, lawyer and entrepreneur. And I ended up choosing the entrepreneurial path. And I mm-hmm. think I only now re- reflectively um, put that together of like, Oh, that was the artistic path, mm-hmm. but that was the only like professional artistic path. And, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm but that sounds like a similar uh a similar story of like not really feeling like there was this place to put art within your kind of professional pursuit Absolutely. for for a handful of years. Yeah, I
1: think I mean th- the dots connect backwards. I think recess right. is like me. Like I've always been passionate about politics for example and I spend a lot of my time navigating regulatory issues and I think part of our success was the ability to see like how the regulatory environment would transpire as it relates to hemp and CBD, yeah. for example, like, and when I came up with the idea that was the early days, I wasn't even thinking about that. Right. Um, for,
0: for listeners, do you mind giving a, a little uh, high level view of what that side, the regulatory side has been like with. Yeah. With- so I'd
1: say that was the the fifth kind of insight uh, about the opportunity, which was that the way to think about this is that until December of 2000, uh, 18, um, hemp and marijuana were viewed as the same thing by the law, when in reality, they're cousins within the cannabis family with one critical difference hemp doesn't have THC. Um, and Mitch McConnell introduced this piece of legislation uh, called the Hemp Farming Act that I heard about when I kind of started really exploring into the idea. But this was a, well over a year before the bill ended up passing, um, which basically What happened was um, there was a hemp uh, pilot program in the state of Kentucky where these farmers that used to grow corn, soybeans, tobacco transitioned to hemp and it was a much higher yielding crop. Um, And Mitch McConnell saw the success that uh, that had for farmers uh, in his state. And he basically said, we want hemp to be the future crop of America. So he put this piece of legislation together called the Hemp Farming Act, that accomplished. And, and for
0: listeners, what is it really interesting about this is, like that that line, "Future Crop of America" is like that's like eighty years old in like mm-hmm. the '30s. Yeah, uh, either '30s or '40s was like a cover of a uh, Popular Science mm-hmm. pop science yeah. uh, cover that was like hemp is the future. Yep. And then, um, and then yeah, do you, it sounds like you know the story. And then it was kind of squash. Yep. Uh, for kind of like protected protectionist reasons yep. for, for um it's a, if you can look up the entire kind of uh, uh history of this uh, online, it'll do a much better job, yep. but that's okay. So now fast forward to 2016, 2017 it's back as the future crop. of Well, if
1: it was, you know, there was that, again, this was before CBD had really blown up. So mm-hmm. it, he, he had a lot of foresight to be honest with you and the bill, you know, when I read the bill or what was being proposed, it it accomplished two things. It allows, it basically said, we want all 50 states to be allowed to cultivate hemp and it removed hemp extract and including CBD, which is a compound within hemp um, from the controlled substance list. And that this would shift the regulation from the DEA to the FDA. And so again, this wasn't like even a big thing. I just kind of saw CBD, started using CBD, researched the regulatory, Heard about this bill, I'm like, I'm gonna bet my life on this bill passing because obviously you're not gonna start a sustainable business selling a controlled substance indefinitely. Right. Like I had to basically predict how this was gonna play out, and then every decision I made from day one was with that context in mind. So, for example, when I was formulating the drink, there were two. I had to make a decision. Well, first of all, when I started, you know, working on the drink. I knew, like you, I knew, no, I knew no one that ever worked in CPG. Like, it didn't, even, it didn't even occur to me to look at CPG. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so I literally went on Google, and I was like, beverage formulation partner. <laughs> and I, like, hired, I originally hired a group uh, in Chicago that's a massive corporate formulator for, like, Starbucks and Dr. Pepper. And I begged them to, to just work with me. Um, and they agreed to reluctantly. And then after about a month, I fired them because that's not how I like to work. <laughs> like it was like very much an outsourced formulation. I like to kind of be the guy in the lab, but I didn't even know an right. alternative. Right. Yeah. Um, and simultaneously, I was like, how do I put CBD in a beverage like CBD oil doesn't dissolve in water? Um, so I started calling hemp farmers in Kentucky. I'm like, how do I add this to a drink? They connected me to a literally a random guy in New Jersey who was working out of a A lab in the back of a warehouse that felt like you were walking into Breaking Bad, like a Breaking Bad like lab, and he had come up with some special technique to uh, make it water soluble. But the problem with him is that one of the bets I made was that there's basically two types of CBD you'll see out there. One is isolated CBD or CBD isolate, which is just the CBD compound isolated, Uh, and the other is kind of full spectrum hemp extract, which is effectively like the entire hemp plant compressed. Which includes CBD, the compound CBD, as well as all the other compounds and terpenes within hemp, mm. uh, which delivers both kind of a, a richer uh, kind of effect. But most importantly, it's also much better positioned from a regulatory standpoint. Because mm, it was part of the farm bill. It wasn't because it's was part of the farm bill, it was that once the farm bill passed, uh, the regulation would shift from the DEA to the FDA. And the FDA is all about kind of permissible ingredients, marketing claims, and labeling. And that in order to become a permissible ingredient, um, CBD and or hemp extract would have to ultimately get this designation called grass, which is generally recognized as safe ingredients, which is a prerequisite for food products. And that isolated CBD would not get grass because... Uh It was on a path to be approved as a pharmaceutical drug, and you can't put drugs in food oh, and so therefore the paths. right therefore oh. the right choice was full spectrum hemp extract and so you might notice on recess we label hemp extract, not c b d right um and yeah. that was because a recognition that even once the hemp farming Act passed you would, would still be in this kind of gray area while the f d a clarifies the law mm. right and so that's what I'm talking about. Like I had to be thinking like five steps ahead, like anticipating what has come, but it's all about, you know, the thesis I had was that CBD is the caffeine of the 21st century and that this is similar to like prohibition. And so the business plan was to navigate through the gray area to arrive on the other side as the category defining brand. And to me, this is gonna be much, it's a bigger opportunity than Red Bull or Monster Energy which are 25 billion and 36 billion dollar companies respectively, right? right? And so like I was like that was the business plan. It was yeah. to take that risk and basically navigate through the mud to arrive on the other side. And
0: uh what I love about uh these types of episodes of, of founders like right in in the thick of it is because I mean you're just you're not just able to give perspective on below the line but you're living right below the line in that it is, uh, you're not on the other side of billion dollar exit and you're just talking about this is what really happened. It's like you're living it right now and you are continually making these bets of what's going to happen mm-hmm. a year from now, two years from now, mm-hmm. three years from now. What are some of the bets? Do you actually mind walking me through some of the specifics beyond making the life bet? Okay, I'm not mm-hmm. going to go pursue these jobs. What are some of the other bets that you can share with listeners where you're like, fuck, I don't know if this is the right bet or not, but- We're going all in
1: for recess. Yeah. So when I was formulating the product, I had a couple constraints I was designing towards. I felt very strongly that I was not going to be above five grams of sugar. Uh, I felt very strongly that it should be in can, not glass or plastic, even though those are much easier to manufacture. How come? Um, There's just more capacity uh, for can, like like, it's easier to find manufacturing capacity uh, in glass uh, or plastic than cans. uh, Counterintuitively, I also. And but why did you you uh, Because uh, if you want to have an e commerce business, you can't basically sell a product in glass just mm-hmm. sustainably, right? right? It's just the, it's very clear that the world's, you know, plat, we're going away from plastic. So right. that leaves you with, you know, can or glass. Uh, and glass, if you wanted to have kind of a sustainable, kind of, you know, at scale e commerce business, right. glass is heavy and it breaks. Mm-hmm. Right. So that leaves you okay. with a can. Right. Uh, the other constraint is that uh, I it needed to be shelf stable, so not needed to be refrigerated. Mm. Right. Uh, so those were. Which is a whole crazy process. A whole crazy process. Right. So that makes manufacturing substantially more complicated because we also didn't want to use preservatives, which is how something one method of making something shelf stable, which leads you with uh, various forms of pasteurization, which is very hard to find uh, also manufacturing wise. So. Right. But those were all the right decisions, even though they were the harder decisions to make. Right. right. for,
0: yeah, for listeners that shelf stability is, it's just so that it could stay on the shelf and not have to be sold every like nine days, like strawberries Yeah, um, or refrigerated or refrigerated yeah. 90 days or yeah. 30 days, however long, you know, like a cold press juice, which um, is actually quite wasteful because if you don't sell it, then you got to
1: yeah. throw it away. So um, th- yeah. those were some bets. And then, you know, we haven't talked about the brand, uh, but I think that was the, the the big, the big component here, which is I felt very strongly that I don't look at recess as a CBD company and I don't even look at a beverage company, which I'll kind of get to later. Um, but that in this instance, we wanted to market the solution, not the ingredient. And I think the best analogy to the category that we're creating is energy drinks, like, you know, Red Bull and monster, the functional ingredients are caffeine and taurine, which deliver the effect. They don't call it the caffeine category. They call it the right. energy category. Caffeine enables a feeling mm-hmm. called energy and stimulation. Just like i think cbd enabled a feeling for me which helped me feel kind of calm and balanced mm. right um and so when kind of building the brand like there's two components to, to building the business there was formulating the the beverage and then building the brand around it and then figuring out what the right go-to-market strategy for that would be um and when building the brand you know like i mentioned earlier i was very underwhelmed by every single brand and beverage and so uh, you know, when, you know, another, des- another cho- design choice, I think I look at these, all things as design choices was I w- only wanted to work with people on the brand that have never worked in beverage, right? I wanted to kind of bring a fresh outside perspective, uh, to the brand. And then, you know, on sales and operations, I only hire experienced CPG people. Cause there's like areas where you want to reinvent the wheel in the business and areas where you want, there's a way things should be done and you don't mm-hmm. want to reinvent the wheel. Um, you know, but on the brand side, we wanted to kind of lean into establishing the use case of like taking a recess. This is even before the name recess, you know, we came up with the name recess. But again, for me, I think I saw a lot of positioning of the ingredient CBD wrong from, from my perspective, like a lot of people would either use it before bed or they would tell you like, I don't feel anything. I'm like, that's a good thing, not a bad thing. You're comparing CBD to smoking a joint or having a drink when in reality it's subtlety plays to, you know, our favor. Um, And that the feeling that we wanted in the kind of the the value proposition that we wanted to hone in on was kind of helping you feel kind of balanced and clear headed, not relaxed. We've never used the word relaxed in any of our marketing and never will, because I don't think people aspire to relax. You aspire to feel kind of balanced and centered so you can be your most kind of productive and creative self. Right. And so that's how we kind of thought about the brand. And so we wanted to lean into, again, establishing the use case and the consumption occasion of you know taking a moment your day to reset and rebalance so you can be productive and creative and then kind of establish that feeling uh, we describe as like calm, cool, collected, mm-hmm. right? And so all of those were, I'd say, like, again, design choices in the early days. And,
0: and were you choosing all of these kinds of feelings and words
1: before you had the name? So I worked with, um, you know, you know, when we decided to move forward in the idea uh, I called that, it searched on Google for that, <laughs> that formulation company. And I called my friend Emmett, who runs Jim Lane, which is a yeah. pretty well-known creative agency in Amazing New York.
0: Creative agency. Yeah.
1: Um, and it was, I was just like, yo, I want to do a CBD sparking water. That was it. There was no thing to try. This was even, bef- you know, this is at the exact same time I started to formulate it. And again, we had a pretty good idea of like the, I'd say that the positioning and the feeling we wanted to focus in on, but they really helped us. Um, kind of uh, hone in on the, the brand essence. And, and you know, through that process, we came up with the name Recess, right? Yeah. But what happened is the brand got ahead of the product or the formula. And so I had to pause with Jim Lane. Um, and then I ended up bringing on kind of freelancers uh, when I was ready to restart that exercise. But the name Recess, which is obviously an incredible one, kind of came through uh, my work with Jin Lane.
0: That's awesome. And the um, what was it, with a name like Recess? So uh, for those that, that don't know, cre- creating the trademark for a name like that must have been really hard. Or was it just, it just beautiful? Did, it, just it was did, open. It was just open for the categories. Wow, that's awesome. Yep. Um, okay. And so when you had that brand and you were waiting on the formulation, what was, how did you, were you like, I am so confident this is, now you're shaking your head. It was, I mean. <sighs> just to make the bet to work with Jen Lane. Yeah. Um. They're not cheap. No. So. Like, it, uh, I totally appreciate that you were like, okay, I'm skating where the puck is going and I'm making big bets. Yeah. Don't know if it's going to work or not, but.
1: Well, it was just like, if you're going to win in CBG, I recognize that you we'd have to win on brand, right? It was also, again, starting, my, the thesis was that there's no good brands in CBG. Who are the brands mm-hmm. I look up to? It's, you know, the Aways, the Glossiers, the Everlanes, the Off-Whites of the world. And I'd want to kind of work with, people in kind of those worlds and kind of use, I'd say, those tactics to build a brand in CPG, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so, yes, it was a bet, but it was also a recognition that I don't think you can succeed in CPG if your brand's not great. Because right. ultimately, you know, a lot of these products are commodity products and, and easily replicable. Um, mm-hmm. There's been a lot of people who have copied recess already. Uh, but your brand is a big moat, and so it was just clear to me it was worth investing in early.
0: Okay, and so why were you shaking your head when I said, "Yo, know, what was your emotional state?" Oh, <laughs> at this at this point of the brand being ahead of the product, waiting for the formulation.
1: Just because, you know, I spe- i I was three years into uh, like a journey, expo- you know, trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. I was starting a business around a controlled substance at the time. Uh The first a formulation partner that I hired and spent a lot of money on. I fired, um, you know, it was basically just me working on it. Um, you know, when I, the, the second formulation, uh, the, my partner that I ended up working on formulating the, the, the beverage with and, and the manufacturing with was a, a guy named Jason, who I got introduced to by a friend. I was out as a bar like, I'm firing this formulation company. I need someone else to to work with to make this. Uh, Do you know anybody? He's like, oh, I know this guy up in the Hudson Valley in in New York who makes flavored syrups that you add to like cocktails and soda, like a soda stream. He knows how to make flavors, I guess. Like you should go meet him. I went and met him and like pitched him on my idea. uh, And he's like, yeah, let's do it. And so I literally went up to Beacon, New York for every weekend for like eight months. And we just hacked on recess, tried a million different things, tried a bunch of different kind of functional ingredient combinations. Another decision was I also recognized that I didn't just want to be CBD. I wanted to be CBD and adaptogens uh, because I wanted to feel like we were designing a feeling. And I also wanted the feeling to be uh, the use case to be more of a productivity use case. So by pairing the CBD with something like chinseng or l-theanine they work together to deliver kind of a richer effect but Mm -hmm. figuring out how to put those all in a beverage and then make the unit economics work right is also very tricky because i also was like this cannot be more than five dollars a can right Right? so which makes it you know your cogs there's a kind of a threshold you can't pass to get there given the nature of kind of beverage distribution and, you know, everyone's taking a cut.
0: Well, and another similar uh, thread for, for listeners that Ben and I were chatting about before we turn on the mics is uh, about six years ago, I was introduced in this uh, world of alternatives to caffeine. Um, when I was running, uh, my company, we were at maybe about 60, 70 employees. Um, and I had a heart arrhythmia, heart condition. And, um, my doctor was like, you can't drink more than one cup of coffee a day. And um, it's when I started to, to start drinking green tea because um, the doctor told me it has L-thenian in it that will extend your absorption of, of caffeine over a longer period of time. It'll also de-stress you and help with uh, just your cortisol levels, which were elevated. I, I didn't know anything, any of these words, none of them, none of these words made sense to me at the time, but over the course of a few months and, uh, and just a lot of research into exactly what you're talking about, adaptogens mm-hmm. and L-thenian, um, I was just like, oh, my God, there's alternatives to drinking five cups mm-hmm. of coffee every yeah. day and far healthier alternatives to that. Um, we are living in an insanely over caffeinated society right now. And it's just like just pushed from the Starbucks of the world, the corporate kitchen mm-hmm. that has just coffee for everybody. Uh, and it's from a whole host of, of different things. Um, but it is we're way over caffeinated leads to. in incredibly uh stressed out anxious Mm -hmm. you know lives day-to-day lives um and that's why i love reset i also don't really drink so Mm -hmm. it's like the perfect drink for uh 5 p.m if people Mm -hmm. are coming over for Mm -hmm. a friday night drink so i'll just have a recess instead um and it is, uh, but it's really interesting that it's you're taking a bunch of different tack, different tacks than than folks in CBD. It's not relax. Mm-hmm. It's for productivity. Mm-hmm. It's uh, not just CBD. It's L-theanine and other mm-hmm. other adaptogens for really mm-hmm. real efficacy. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be brand led. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, tell me a little bit more about the brand. So uh, you worked with Jen Lane. Yeah. You got the name, and then kind of independent. Uh, was it, 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 yeah. it uh, designers as well yeah so what happened was and by the way everyone should check out this brand is you know less is more recess is so cool of of a brand it's just this matte design uh, can which Mm -hmm. never seen before Mm uh with one logo i'm just describing this for listeners ben you obviously know (laughs) but uh one you know really cool script logo um and it's not these crazy visuals like Coke or, Mm -hmm. uh, or LaCroix or, you know, hip, cool beer. It's actually the abstraction from Mm -hmm. crazy visuals. Um, but yeah, how, how did you get to, uh, that cool of a brand? It's, it is so silly to fawn over a cool brand, but when you see how distinct and different it is than everything else out there, then there's obviously a unique path.
1: Yeah, so one of my frameworks uh, when, you know, in the, this is in the, the early days was I looked at, go to the grocery store and I'd look at these brands and I'm like, it reminds me of like those Microsoft Apple commercials where like Microsoft would market like the features, like the gigahertz, like the memory, like all, all the different features. And Apple was like how you felt and how you used it. Yeah. And today you go in the grocery store and it's like organic, non-GMO, 100 grams of protein, et cetera, et cetera, and we're just like recess, right? I think all those things are now table stakes. And I think what connects with people now is like the feeling and the emotion, right? Um, and that has kind of inspired our, our go-to-market strategy, like fast-forwarding a little bit, uh, but I think another framework I like is like brands used to be built on the shelf and today they're built on your phone and that changes everything, mm-hmm. right? That fundamentally changes everything in CPG. And so- Tell me more about what, what do you mean. Yeah. So, um, let's fast forward to the kind of the launch. Um, I always knew that I wanted recess to be as kind of on the channel as possible. I mean that to the extreme, like we're on Uber Eats, for example. Um, um, and that recess is a product that makes sense to be sold everywhere. And I'll kind of come to that, come back to that. But I wanted to launch the brand off of our website only, um for two reasons the first is that i wanted kind of consumers first interaction with the brand to be our website or instagram because that's what kind of conveys the emotion and the feeling Mm -hmm. uh, of the brand and the second was that i wanted to kind of create the the buzz and the leverage online to go offline so distributors were trying to meet they like kind of heard about what i was working on they tried to meet with me before i was like nope i'm gonna launch i'm gonna do a launch i'm gonna do a pr launch and that the other observation was that
0: Kind of like a software, kind of like a consumer technology
1: company. Yeah, well, beverage, Yeah, I mean, I think one of my biggest strengths is that I kind of apply more of a kind of a Silicon Valley mindset to CPG, which, mm-hmm. and I think, look at most CPG companies, startups, they literally start by, s- like, someone selling, you know, granola bars out of their backpack. Like, right. so many stories start that way. Yeah, And I was like, that's not what, you know, When once I got to launch, you know, I was like, I felt very confident actually going into the launch. So I kind of, you know, navigated to the, the trough yeah. of sorrows yes too, and uncertainty too. Yeah. okay no i think i'm on to something yeah and so i i recognize well, I, i've
0: got to ask like what were the signs where you're like okay i'm on to something
1: you could see cbd kind of bubbling up uh it just getting more and more kind of Possible popular price, and, yeah. and buzz and then the more i worked we worked on the brand i was like this is something special and we have a, a very distinct kind of approach that i think is going to work Um, and so I I guess taking a step back again, like I'll I'll talk about, you know, the other partners. Uh so you know, when I was ready to kind of finish, you know, start build the website, finish the packaging and you know, figure out like what our marketing strategy would be. Uh, I found two kind of freelancers, uh, this guy Ryan Harmon and Spencer Madsen, who were uh kind of just left their jobs and had ideas to kind of start an agency. And I was the first client. Um and We, I just felt like kind of a deep connection to them. And I was not one of these founders that wanted to outsource the brand. Like I was, I like to kind of, I like to do it all. Um, But like we were, you know, we work out of our apartments for a couple months, kind of figuring out like what our marketing strategy would be. Um, And we wanted to create this kind of recess kind of world, so to speak. So just like Red Bull focused on kind of the action sports community to create the association of having a Red Bull and getting stimulated. And Gatorade focused on kind of professional athletics. We focused on kind of the creative class. So music, fashion, art, design, internet culture are the kind of communities we're speaking to because I think all of those people are by definition productive, mm-hmm. right? And that's kind of the value proposition I wanted people to feel. And I also, you know, I said at the beginning that I don't really view Recess as a beverage company. Uh, I really view Recess as this broader kind of consumer wellness brand. We create products like, the beverage uh, and many more in the future as well as experiences like our instagram and like our retail experience recess irl designed to help people feel kind of balanced, centered and inspired so they can be their most productive and creative self and i think all of i think one of the reasons why recess is working is it's kind of like a complete thought right um you know i think not, another observation we had when kind of building the brand was like the the idea of like the perceived effect of like drinking a recess is this like very interesting question and I think it's the combination of like the efficacy of fun- of the functional ingredients and how they interact with you as an individual. And everyone responds to these kind of functional ingredients differently. Like some people can't drink coffee and others can have four coffees a day, including before bed. Mm-hmm. Right. It's an, and they these compounds, you know, interact with us differently. Very differently. Right. But arguably more importantly, it's your expectation about what you know the beverage and the brand is going to do to you, which is the brand marketing, kind of all the experiences. And so for example, you mentioned the matte can. Well, I wanted to feel a certain way in your hand, so when you drank it, there was like this connection. I think beverages have this very, you know, unique a, n- a number of very unique attributes. But like this, is making, of,
0: this is making me thirsty, so I'm gonna take a sip. Yeah. And by the way, pomegranate is my favorite favorite flavor, um, and I love the matte can. I'm gonna take a sip here. That is good. That yeah. is good. Yeah. Um, okay. Keep going. Yeah. So but like, again, I, I, I've always looked that at feeling.
1: Yeah. And I've always just looked at this as this kind of entire experience. Um, and that that's actually inspired a lot of our kind of marketing strategy until last month, we hadn't spent a dollar on kind of paid advertising or paid marketing of any kind. And the reason is, is we've invested in kind of content, our Instagram posts, which are very Hila- well a great,
0: great Instagram, uh, account. It's, uh, take a recess yeah it's yeah it's it's phenomenal content um and i mean you i actually just getting into the weeds like how do you create that do you have full-time just creative content being created i mean it's a
1: lot of design work oh yeah and so i mean we have the the amount of creative output at recess is incredible for i mean that's just you know one of our marketing tactics but we're doing you know Probably ten events a week as well. All have to have kind of special creative developed for them. Yeah, and for for listeners, by the way, also Ben is how
0: many city six cities in how seven days or something I've like been, that. Yeah,
1: I'm a little <gasps> jet lagged right now. Yeah, you know, um, what? How many? How many cities? I think are six cities in eight days. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm on well, a recess I, U.S. tour.
0: Well, I really appreciate you taking the time yeah. for the podcast. Okay, so yeah, the events you have pop up stores. Mm-hmm.
1: And everything's about kind of, um, again, you know, you might know, like the URL is take a recess, not drink recess. It's all about kind of establishing this new use case in people's lives of taking a recess, which is taking a moment throughout your day to, again, reset and rebalance and feel inspired so you can be your most productive and creative and fulfilled self. And I look at our Instagram as like a product, like that is one form of a recess someone's taking. Mm. Um, And part of what's inspired the Instagram is that, you know, I I mentioned the beginning, I've always dealt with kind of stress and anxiety and I've, you know, attempted to meditate off and on, but it never really stuck with me. But meditation for me is really like sitting, you know, by myself, listening to music and just thinking. It's more of this like eyes open, like getting inspired by various kind of, you know, visual or audio inputs, uh, which is a form of kind of, meditation for me. And I would argue each of our Instagram posts is a form of meditation, right? It's just like a distinct kind of visual aesthetic and an approach in a a feed of, you know, usually kind of hot models and stuff. Right. And it's meant to kind of stop and make you think for a moment. Right. And I look at each of those as like a work of art uh, that we produce every day. Um, And so I look at these as like various products uh, that all work together uh, to deliver this kind of cohesive experience. And I guess, you know, another unique attribute about Recess that allows us to do so much interesting stuff is the fact that it's a daily habit, use case and purchase, which is the most powerful component, or the most powerful feature uh, in business, arguably. If you look at the brands that I looked up to that I listed, you know, Away, Glossier, Casper, Everlane. Well, Away spending all this money on marketing to sell someone one suitcase every four years, Casper, a mattress every 10 years, you know, Glossier, makeup once a month. You know, off white, my favorite market on the planets for abloh You know, a couple times a year you might buy something. Well, I think I can sell people multiple recess a day, right? Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, the right marketing strategy is kind of content and experiential marketing to kind of keep the brand top of mind to drive kind of brand engagement. Um, and everything we do is designed to generate kind of earned media uh, right. and buzz. And so that I go back to my first job at a, coll- or at a college or out of college, you know, was it was kind of influencer, it was recognition that kind of a well-executed social media campaign would generate, could generate tremendous earned media. And that's, earned media is the most powerful kind of, you know, I think, thing, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, where are we going? Well,
0: you were saying that that it's a, uh, in creating the brand uh, from the mat to the Instagram, Mm -hmm. it's basically everything is reinforcing this feeling. what is what are some of the things that uh, that is completely top of mind for you right now as the as the founder and creator of of this, but also uh, riding this wave that is a massive wave of mm-hmm. of CBD at large, this new substance that mm-hmm. that you said uh, that's a really cool way of putting a caffeine of the twenty first century, um, building a company and seizing this opportunity that that. If I were to zoom out and kind of look at a lot of the actions, bets you've taken is that there might only be one major brand in this space and it's gonna be the first, best, mm-hmm. and last. Um, talk, walk me through just like what goes through your mind right now as you're building this yeah. company.
1: So, you know, like I mentioned, company. we launched like, seven months ago, October, end of October. Like, um, and it, it was, the company was based in my apartment until February. Like, and I just remember really pressing you know, pushing the site live. Um, fortunately, we did a. Uh, I was like, we're going to do a press launch, because uh, CPG is a category where you want to seem bigger than you are. And I was like, I want all the distributors calling me around the world, which is what happened, even though the company is based out of my apartment, yeah. right? But the com- but the website, the brand, the Instagram looked extremely polished, and I think we've gotten a tremendous amount of press because we have a very strong narrative. Like we're not saying like CBD reduces anxiety. We're saying like recess is an antidote to modern times. We help you feel calm, cool, collected so you can be your most kind of productive and creative self. Like it's and the brand and Instagram I look at as like our brand voice is incredible. I think brand your brand voice and messaging is the most underappreciated thing in ma- in marketing. And I look at our brand voice as like it's a social commentary on living in 2019. Right? Uh I think you know, the world's gone crazy, but like, has it really, is it really as crazy as we think it all is? Mm-hmm. And like so much of like millennial culture is ridiculous. And the resize brand is kind of tongue in cheek. Like I was always in the brand. I was always kind of in, I wanted to feel like John Stewart almost like kind of like, it's like, I, it, it is a social commentary. Right. Yeah. And we're always trying to, you know, we're definitely like weave in like kind of Reddit meme culture. And again, the brand was designed for kind of creative. Specifically, I wanted to focus on at launch was like graphic designers. Like I wanted to build the brand for like Emmett from gin Lane almost, yeah. right? Um and so there's all these kind of design references uh, all the time. And I think there's like a thoughtfulness and a depth and an intelligence to it that's, you know, very appreciated. Yeah. And what is that is
0: uh and I think that is the the high level what is it like you right now six cities eight days um riding this wave and i'd say you know for listeners it is the it is the best product in the category i've seen i uh of uh, cbg but i also think just so with one of my early investments in in halo top there's very there's a lot of similarities Mm -hmm. but huge difference of of um You've in invented a product that people love in a space that people would have always wanted a great product in, like Halo Top is healthy ice cream, yeah. uh, an alternative to coffee and alternative yeah. to alcohol, almost like combined in one product. But what is, um, what is it like seven months in now?
1: Yeah. So I, I think I, I meant to, 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 to basically... So the launch, it went so well. We did 40 times our first month's projected sales in the first month. I had four, like four to 5,000 back orders online only after a month
0: I actually remember I think I was
1: one of those orders yeah I think I was
0: one of and I waited a long time for it, long time but yeah because
1: I was working out of a tiny co-packer like I just like I didn't I was confident but not nearly this confident and I also honestly had no concept of like what even the met like the 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 scale of volume could be right right um and so but you know within a week I knew we had some like you know we hit product you know we it had product market fit within a couple of days. Like it was right. very clear to me. And the funny thing is I did no user testing. Like hardly anyone tried recess before we launched it. Yeah. Right. I don't really believe in that in like focus group or user testing. Like I designed something that I thought I, 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 I liked that. I thought other people would like, and I built a brand for myself that I thought other people would like. It was right. not like trying to design this for everyone, which I think is very important. Um, and you know, you have to kind of, re- you have to, we should talk about like how this category is going to play out because it's very unique because of the regulatory dynamic. And I think the best analogy is like prohibition. I think CBD is going to be as big as caffeine. Think about how many industries are built on caffeine St- coffee shops, energy right. drinks, 80% coffee. of the
0: world. So this, this, um, before we started, according I was telling Bennett this uh ebook that that I ended up starting with a blog post, became so long I was like, I'm gonna make this an ebook about Beyond Coffee mm-hmm. is the is the name. Um, and it is uh meant to be a sustainable guide to nootropics and mm-hmm. adaptogens and, and mushrooms. But it is in doing the research for the book, yeah, 80% of the world drinks caffeine on a daily basis mm-hmm. for the perceived productivity benefits. But one uh, six weeks into consuming the same amount of caffeine, you're getting less and less of those benefits. Mm-hmm. But two, it's also like we touched on spiking your cortisol, mm-hmm. your stress hormones, three, four coffees in.
1: Yep. You're not really
0: getting productivity is so much more than just yes.
1: wakefulness. Yes. Yeah. I mean, to that point, uh, one th- something that inspired the recess brand positioning was this Kanye tweet. And I love Kanye. And he tweeted, calm, but energized. And it was like a picture of like, you know, a beach in Malibu. And I was awesome. like, that's 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 how I feel when I drink recess, right? Yeah. It's like, I do, I, I look at this as like a new form of energy in some ways. Um, but I think oh, yeah, about okay, the- Okay, sorry. So the, yeah, you were saying that the, you, caffeine, the launch was crazy. Okay, well, yeah. Well, yeah like, the- so the launch was crazy. And then I also had this thesis that I was like, this is a huge opportunity. People are under, I think CBD is underpriced, under, underappreciated in terms of just how big it's going to be, right? And this is not going to be a category like kombucha- or coconut water or like collagen protein. Those are like small value, those are small categories because they're not universal value propositions. But energy is a universal value proposition. Every person on the planet needs energy naturally or through stimulants of some kind. Not everyone needs collagen protein or kombucha. Mm-hmm. But what we're what we're offering is the energy of the 21st century, which is again, I think stress and anxiety. The world's only getting more crazy, not less. And so mm-hmm. therefore the desire to feel kind of calm and able to focus and, uh, you know, basically building products for different use cases where you want to take the edge off, so to speak, is a universal idea, right? And I think that's only going to get more in demand, not less, but no one had really kind of built a brand or got it right, right? Until recess, in my opinion.
0: A really smart uh, mentor told me one time that uh, your life will be more determined by what you choose not to do than what you choose Mm -hmm, to do. And and it's this over-caffeinated Realm that you just do 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 rather than kind of taking a step yeah. back, listening, yeah, relaxing that calm but energized. Yeah. Is, if anything, I mean every one of us knows the energized, over energized friend is actually kind of annoying, yeah. or is is hopped up on Adderall, not actually that productive. Yeah, yeah, for sure. In the long run, yeah. and uh, even in the medium run, I mean, it's like you know, it's you you work in companies where you just know someone is probably taking too much Adderall you never actually sit back and say wow, person's really productive. You mm-hmm. actually like wow, that person kind of gets in their own way mm-hmm. a little bit. And, and I feel like
1: that's, that's been I like that's been an issue for me too. Yeah. yeah I've well, always loved coffee. I've always loved iced coffee
0: and same I mean when I was running Tilt and drinking five cups, six cups a day, I was not able to listen to to anyone on the other side of a meeting, mm-hmm. if I'm if I'm three four cups cups of coffee mm-hmm. uh, deep into the day, and, and yet the feeling is I'm energized, yeah, and I am getting a lot done. I'm active, but not really achieving much. Yeah, versus an alternative yes. f- source of productivity of yep. kind of relaxed. Yeah, so Energy. so back to your sorry, question. Not, relaxed, yeah. not relaxed, not relaxed, <laughs> calm, but no, energized.
1: No. You get my point though. Yeah. like yeah, like I, I don't like the word relax because like if you tell someone to relax that's an insult like you don't mm. aspire to relax you want to relax occasionally mm. you aspire to feel kind of overall ba- in balance right. Right? In, right in equilibrium right right like flow state right so to speak Absolutely. right and so i don't think relax you don't think flow state and relaxed mm-hmm. right um but kind of back to your 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 question about kind of the past seven months I always been kind of working backwards from the opportunity that we see, which is that this is going to be as big as caffeine and that the this really, really gets going once the regulatory environment is fully clarified. And it feels like CBD is everywhere, but it's actually nowhere because it's not at Target. It's not at Whole Foods. It's not at 7-Eleven. It's not at all those places, but it's going to be and it's going to be very soon. Right. So seven months ago when we launched, and I knew we had like, this is it. Like we have the product, we have the brand. This is it. Like the business plan was to slow down to speed up. Right. Cause it was me in my apartment working out of a tiny co-packer, right. That had no capacity. And so I had to go build an executive team. I had to go build a supply chain. I had to go get distribution. I had to go kind of take the product from the website into New York. And I wanted the first kind of launch market to be New York city. And I was like, I had to go do all these things, knowing that. The real opportunity, the real kind of value, is kind of navigating this kind of regulatory gray area to arrive on the other side, of the winner. And I think the winners, like we're talking, Red Bull, Monster, Anheuser Busch scale. Like right. that's what right. I believe. And I, I
0: I do as well. The yeah. um, lo- I mean, it's it's just uh, so cool that the stars align for us to yeah. to hang today. Um, if you were to give a sense of like, let's say a scale one to ten of the gray area, ten being pure black one being completely clear uh, and it's,
1: and it's clear, absolutely clarified.
0: Where would you say we are in, uh, in that? that i we're
1: still at like a four, uh, but it's, I'm, I have, a one hundred percent confidence it gets to a one, and so where, the way I've always, where was it like seven months ago? If you were to give it a number, seven months. I mean, when something's a controlled substance, one would think that's like a ten, right? Was it controlled? In, yeah. In, in, oh, when y'all launched, it was yeah. Controlled. It was a oh, controlled okay. substance. But the, so we oh, launched in right. October. The hemp farming got cast in December. December. That's right. Right. Okay. And so cool. that which was perfect timing. Yeah. It was one of these things where if we would have launched in June or July, when I intended to, it would have been too early, and you know February would have been too late. Yeah. We launched the brand yeah. at the perfect time, right before the far- the hemp farming act passed, right. So we got all this press and got all this kind of buzz and demand, uh, while still having, you know, got payment processors shut down, had three hundred thousand dollars stuck in PayPal, right. Like I yeah. took, and I, I, I knew exactly it was a calculated risk, right, right. Um, and so the way I've always thought about the, the, the regulatory and like why I'm so confident we get to a place where, you know, this all goes away. It's because fundamentally, the hemp farming act, the hemp farming act, is a, far, a red state farmers bill. Like, why would you tell all these farmers to cultivate hemp and then not ultimately enable the biggest demand source for that, which is CBD and hemp extract as a food additive? Mm-hmm. It's just like we live in a capitalist country, and that's clearly where this is going to be going. Right. Uh, so that's the first point, and the and, second, and
0: the information and research continues to point to it being beneficial and far better than. Going straight to a doctor and getting Xanax. Yes. Holy shit, is that
1: better? There's that. And then I'm very involved on the regulatory front. I'm on the board of directors of the US Hemp Roundtable, which is the main kind of industry group that represents the largest farmers and processors and uh, you know uh, CBD oil companies, for example. And we're, we're, we're very engaged with the FDA and on, on the various state levels. I work with lobbyists in multiple states. And, and so what you see is that this is not an issue like marijuana or like Juul. Where there's like a group on the other side saying this should not be okay, and mm-hmm. there's legitimate arguments on both of those products and categories. Where yeah, there's an argument to be made that you shouldn't just be able to buy a joint at a bodega, right? Mm-hmm. Like that makes sense to me. Uh, but with CBD, it's n- there's not a group on the other side opposing it. It's only about the details. So like, what is the how much CBD should be in a can of recess? Uh, what should the labeling be? Uh, should that CBD be extracted from Hemp grown in the U.S. or abroad, like it's just like working out the details, mm-hmm. and so we're still going through that process, right? And you know, I think there was a lot of there was a a misconception that the Hemp Farming Act would you know one hundred percent clarify things. It just shifted the the regulation from one agency, the Drug Enforcement Agency, to the FDA, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're going through this process, and again, the thesis and the business plan has been like, I have to just you know. Continue to build the brand uh, to arrive at the other side, where we are now the default first choice when you're Walmart choosing to build this category, or you're choosing recess, right? right. And
0: what is um, what are the implications of this regulation? So you're in, you know, you're
1: in the bodega in New York City, but
0: not here in San Francisco.
1: Yet. Well, no, we just we're, we we're, we just um, so that the implications are that kind of the the launch strategy was to focus on kind of more independent businesses Um, and kind of even regional change chains and not to some products like launch in whole foods like we're not one of those i also don't think brands anymore are built in whole foods like the reason new york is the best it's they always if you in beverage they say if you can win in new york you can win everywhere It's the best beverage market because of the condensity of it and like the up and down the street accounts like bodegas are this incredible thing. So we're in 2000 accounts in New York already. Right. So it just feels like it's everywhere. Right. But in addition to that, one of the most interesting things we've learned about recess is that people, there's a group of people that drink it at every waking hour of the day. And there's many different types of recess that people are looking to take. There's a group of people that drink it right when they get up in the morning to start their day calm and a group of people that drink it right before they go to bed to kind of go to sleep. Uh, Again, like I described, the kind of the core use case is like 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at work at lunch as a substitute for your two o'clock coffee. Uh, a lot of people use it before or after a workout because as like anti-inflammatory benefits. Uh, it's a great substitute for alcohol, like you described. It's a great mixer with alcohol. Uh, it works um, kind of at a, at a high-end restaurant as like kind of a substitute for a San Pellegrino soda. There's no other drink besides kind of water or Coca-Cola that I can think of that makes sense in as many different types of accounts. Your total adjustable market for a beverage is a function of like when someone can drink it and where they should be able to buy it. In the case of recess, we're seeing incredibly strong results across every different account type, uh, which is a very, very interesting.
0: What are some of the below the line facts? Because it's the above the line version is so amazing.
1: Oh, just the below the line is like just not the regulatory, right? It's just like uh, we know people want this. We know people it makes them feel good. We know distributors and retailers and the chains want it. It's just about the regulatory.
0: Well, and so at the four right now on the way to one, real quick, What what is the optimistic case for it to be at a one? Very clear. It's clarified. It's completely, it's grass ready to go. Uh, What do you think is the optimistic and the pessimistic time range for that? So
1: um, what's happening is the FDA is getting pressure uh, from kind of uh, state legislators to, to clarify the federal position as it relates to CBD and hemp extract. And they basically said by the end of the summer, the early fall, they're going to at least come up with an update. Uh, in the meantime, states are acting on their own to implement state regulations. Uh, uh, and so a bill is about to pass in the state of California called AB 228 that would fully uh, allow for the addition of CBD uh, into food and beverages. similar bill just passed in Texas, Florida, Illinois. Uh, there's a bill in New York that we've been very engaged with, uh, that has some, uh, components that, uh, we're, we're not supportive of. Um, and so, you know, what are those components? So New York, they're basically saying that, uh, there's a require. there's the hemp, the hemp farm lobby made an art like argued, uh, to say that CBD can be is approved to be added to, to food and drinks, but it has to be extracted from hemp grown in New York state. Well, there's not enough hemp in New York state to satisfy all the demand. Mm. And moreover, we require a very special kind of processing and format, water, it has to be water soluble, that technology does not exist in New York, mm-hmm. right? So they think they're acting in their, their own interest when they're really not, and it's arguably even anti it's not constitutional uh, because there's all these kind of interstate commerce issues that it brings up. And then this bill passed with these issues that the governor doesn't support uh, right as they were, they're going into their summer recess, which is really until January. So we are in this state of limbo in the state of New York, truthfully, where you know we have 2,000 accounts. We're part of the largest distributor. Our manufacturing is in the state of New York, and yet we're still in this gray area. Recess is
0: in recess. While Mm -hmm. the uh, regular there might be a there might
1: be a a, a recess. There might be something coming that will uh, reference this situation (laughs) in a a month or two. That is is priceless. Uh, Well.
0: I want to make sure that we touch on, uh, in the regulatory, I can't imagine what that is like for CEO just kind of living in, one, it's this exciting space where it's like, well, if you win, it's because you Mm -hmm. made the bets when it wasn't obvious. Mm -hmm. That is almost, uh, by definition, how you win. But at the same time, it's this like provisional existence of like, all right, we know we have something special, but there is something above us that is deciding Uh, at least the in the interim fate Mm then it sounds like the the kind of medium term or short-term fate um what is that what what kind of mentality does that lead for the founder and creator of of the company with employees
1: it's really tricky like we you know we're over 30 full-time employees now i've hired an extremely experienced executive team you know my coo you know, 25 years CBG exec built and sold a company, sold to Kashi. I just hired the head of supply chain from Buy. She was VP of operation, which was a $2 billion acquisition by Dr. Pepper Snapple Group. You know, my head of sales in the East Coast built Vitacoco, head of sales in the West Coast is a, you know, 40 year exec. And, you know, I made a strategy, like, my strategy has been like, I'm assuming, you know, we're preparing for this this world in which all of this is clarified. We've met with every national retailer. We're lining up distributors around the country. That's why I've been in kind of eight cities. So we're going, um, but kind of managing your burn rate, uh, you know, raising sufficient capital to get to the other side, knowing that the, the potential outcome here is so large, like it's, it's, it's very tricky.
0: Um,
1: and. You know, you're you're betting on our ability to kind of navigate this and arrive on the other side. But again, I think the opportunity is so large here Um, and we know we have something that consumers have a deep, deep, deep connection to that uh, we think the right business plan is to be kind of fairly aggressive.
0: Well, the last thing I want to touch on uh, with you, Ben, is what does the research say about CBD just to catch up a listener that maybe has heard nothing about it or at least just has heard the headline views of whether it's legal or not legal. Mm-hmm. and, um, and, or thinks, okay, CBD is marijuana. What Yeah. do you mind just walking through the research and, and the actual, just kind of technical side of CBD?
1: Yeah. So what it's really doing is like interacting with a nervous system in your body called your endocannabinoid system, um, which helps your body kind of maintain equilibrium, uh, and homeostasis, so to speak, which we describe as like balance. Um, and there is just, there's not that much research on it, truthfully, or there's just starting to be because it was a controlled substance until a year ago, right? And right. so uh, there unfortunately hasn't, up until recently, there hasn't, you haven't been able to, 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 to do that much research on it. But, you know, there's a number of papers uh, around kind of the benefits towards kind of stress and anxiety, uh, ADD and ADHD, um inflammation is you know another kind of big value proposition that our brand's not focused on but i think is a big kind of use case for cbd um and so i think you know one of the interesting things about CBD is that there's just so many different ways it's going to be used right um like i think someone's going to make a great brand focused on kind of the you know the fitness recovery right? right like we over time like we didn't really talk about this but I think there's many recesses for us to create both you know consumables so we're going to launch and we're going to do an alkaline water we think iced tea is interesting dissolvable tablets for an on-the-go use case an additive for coffee smoothie juice cocktails a recess for your on premise like you know at a bar on draft we think we can do that all and then there's multiple types of recess you consume in your mind right now that's just our instagram and our events but like our website's going to become an entirely kind of editorial and content platform and want to create different kind of digital recesses that people are taking right and that might be a profile of uh, a creative that inspires us or that might be some psychedelic meditative experience but those are all different forms of recess right and so uh, i think beverage is this very interesting category because of the high frequency of use and purchase that drives you to market that using content and experiences it's arguably the best kind of category on the planet to build other businesses on top of right because Mm -hmm. i can invest in kind of creating content and these experiences that i can then monetize in the future right like it's 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 pretty interesting yeah i mean
0: red bull's done a phenomenal job Mm -hmm. of creating content for for kind of the alternative extreme sports that is you know with red bull tv it's i mean it's incredibly compelling content um Yeah. I mean, I look
1: at Red Bull as a content marketing company, an experiential marketing company that monetizes their selling cans. mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. And like we're, the thing is Red Bull was created like 40 years ago. Like we're taking that strategy. I think we're the first like digitally native beverage brand at scale for sure. Yeah. Um,
0: Well, awesome. And this is a super, super helpful. Is there, is there a part of the, I I feel like I'd have to ask from just, is there a part of the, the um, chemical component side of CBD that Whereas you of the little research out there, is there is there is there that component in in your kind
1: of mind that weighs on you of like okay what could we find out? Now to be honest, I mean the fear. I think the the I think the biggest risk to the industry to date, um, and why I am very pro regulation is kind of bad actors. Like I want to be regulated. I I think kind of quality and compliance uh is something we've taken extremely seriously and how we're kind of building our supply chain from this point forward is recognizing that this category is going to be kind of more stringent than other kind of categories in the grocery stores but I would argue caffeine is you know much more of an impactful drug than CBD is. I would I'd be more worried about, you know, a 12-year-old drinking a cold brew than a recess and many parents kind of bring their children into the store and and give them recess and kind of our position is we think it's going to play like energy drinks where it's like suggested 18 and pl- 18 plus um but you know you definitely can't kind of overdose on CBD yeah. at worst if you know if you have probably 50 100 milligrams you'll go to sleep uh, you know yeah. uh, but I don't I'm not worried about uh finding out kind of negative side effects it's conceivably possible given how uh early you know recent it is but uh I, I, that's not what i'm worried about i'd be more worried about a bad actor spoiling it for everyone yeah well,
0: awesome ben well thank you so much for coming on the podcast it's yeah, great it to fun. uh to uh hear all this i mean it is like fresh off the presses type of of information on one of the coolest brands uh, i think being built around the world right now so appreciate i really appreciate it. coming on the podcast you. all right buddy friends and listeners i hope you enjoyed today's episode if you want to hear more of these types of conversations go over to your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe or leave us a review good or bad we love hearing from people that that appreciate this type of conversation and want more of it you can also follow us on twitter at go below the line as well as see in our twitter bio our email address for you to shoot us a note on any suggestions of guests or topics that we should cover We read every single one, so thank you for those that have already sent those in. That's it for us today. We will see you next time on Below the Line. Below the Line is brought to you by Straight Up Podcasts.